0: that the same exact things that are going on here with Trump are going on in Brazil with their former president down there. And their former president down there was a conservative. He was called the Trump of South America. He was His name is Bolsonaro. And anyway, he was, he was voted out through a fraudulent election down in Brazil, probably, just like here. And it was the same playbook in both places, is there were riots at the capital, not only here, but also in Brazil after, the same exact thing. And you have to definitely wonder if those riots weren't incited by the left to get out the right. And uh, so anyway, that's what they did in Brazil. And so right now they're, they're trying to put the former president in jail down in Brazil. And it's the uh, same thing going on here. And it's trumped up charges. Of course, the liberals and leftists, you know, with the George Floyd thing, they could have hundreds of riots and nobody said boo about it. But when the conservatives have one riot, oh, it's the worst thing in the world, you know, the whole, that's just horrible. And we've got to put them all in jail and keep them in jail. they got people in Brazil that have been put in jail since the riots with no charges, just rotting there for months or whatever, because uh, they trump up the charges. It's kind of interesting how the names are the same, trump up charges with Trump. But anyway, and... Uh, I had an interesting view on the way to church this morning we were on our way to church and traffic and a car pulled up next to us and he had written on the back of the car blessed is my right blessed is my right that means it is my right to be blessed and it's not our right to be blessed. That's the old name it and claim it thing, is that people name the promises of God and they claim them and they just, no matter how they live, no matter what they do, they just says God has promised to bless everybody and he's going to bless me. And it's the old entitlement mentality. And so we have people out there that thinks that, that think that they are entitled to be blessed. Did you ever hear of the word Grace. Grace is unmerited favor. We don't deserve the favor of God. We don't, we're don't. we not entitled to it. We don't deserve it. And so praise the Lord when he does bless us and praise his name. Well, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 12. We're continuing in our study of 2 Kings. We've been going through it for quite a while now. And we're up to chapter 12. And we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And lo and behold, today we come to the subject of money, tithes and offerings. And, you know, some preachers have been known to preach on money a lot. And a lot of times when the preacher starts Speaking about anything to do with money, the people say, Oh, why didn't he speak about something else? How come he's always talking about money and whatever? But the thing is, is that's the beauty with going through the Bible, chapter by chapter, through a whole book, is that it's, you're not riding any hobby horses. You're not preaching on the same thing all the time. You're preaching on whatever's in that book. And so right now, today, we happen to come to a section on money and offerings, and about tithes. So let's turn to chapter 12 of 2 Kings and start reading with verse 1. And I might have to start reading, uh, using my glasses. But anyway, in the seventh year of Jehu, Joash began to reign, and forty years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Zibla of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada the priest instructed him. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. So anyway, here we have Joash. And Joash was, you remember the history of Joash. We went through that last time I preached. And remember, Joash was the baby that was saved when Athaliah killed all of the royal seed there. Joash was saved by Jehoiada the priest and by Jehoshaphat, his wife. And Joash was saved and he became king and he reigned for 40 years. And he did write all the days of Jehoiada. Jehoiada was the guy who saved him, that put him on the throne. Remember, there was a godly revolution in the last chapter where they put Joash on the throne. And so we had that godly revolution. Joash is here. And, but Joash, he didn't do everything right in the sight of the Lord. He only did things right when Jehoiada was still living. And after Jehoiada died, he turned away from the Lord. And another thing he didn't do right was here in verse 3. The high places were not taken away. And you know, back in the Bible, in the Old Testament, they were told... To worship only in Jerusalem and observe the feasts only in Jerusalem. Uh, but they went away from that in the northern kingdom. They had Dan and Beersheba. I mean, Dan and Bethel in the northern kingdom for false wor- worship. And even in the southern kingdom, they had their high places and their groves where they worshiped on the hills. And they weren't supposed to do that. But they did that the whole history of Israel. And so here we have the high places were still not taken away under Joash. And then we go on here. And Joash, verse 4, and Joash said to the priests, all the money of the dedicated things that is brought into the house of the Lord, even the money of everyone that passeth the account, the money that every man is set at, and all the money that cometh into any man's heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take it to them, every man of his acquaintance, and then let them repair the breaches of the house, wheresoever any breach shall be found. But it was so that in the three-and-twentieth year of Joash, the priests had not repaired the breaches of the house." Then King Joash called for Jehoiah to the priest and the other priests and said unto them, Why repair ye not the breaches of the house? Now therefore receive no more money of your acquaintance, but deliver it for the breaches of the house. And the priests consented to receive no more money of the people, neither to repair the breaches of the house. And that brings us to where we read in the responsive reading. But anyway, here uh, there was a program set up there for the temple and the temple had been broken down and it had holes in it, it had breaches in it and it was falling down and they decided they were going to repair the house of the Lord. And so they decided that the priests should take offerings along with their normal offerings for the repairing of the house. And, uh, you know, here it says that uh, they brought the offerings into the house of the Lord. That's where they gave their offerings, was at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Now, if people lived in the outlying cities, the outlying towns and villages up in Galilee or other places in Israel, how were they supposed to give their offerings? Well, they were supposed to store up their offerings at their house. They were supposed to have, maybe have a little storehouse to store up their offerings. And then when they went up to Jerusalem at least three times a year, they were supposed to take their offerings with them and take the things that they needed for the, for the voyage, for the, for the uh, uh, not voyage, I'm thinking of my Portuguese there, but anyway, for the trip up there to the temple. And so they would store those things up. And you know, in Malachi, we just read for the call to worship, the very famous verse from Malachi. Well, a man robbed God, but you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. And then it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house. What storehouse is that talking about? It's talking about the storehouse that people had on their own property at their own place where they were storing up things for the journey to Jerusalem and for sacrificing in the temple and for the priests and the Levites. And so the, uh, the thing is there are Baptist churches that teach a thing called storehouse tithing. And they teach that All of the 10%, all of the tithe must go to your local Baptist church, your local church. And any other offerings you want to give, you give someplace else, but you have to give all that 10% in your local church. And they say that's storehouse tithing, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and they say the local church is a storehouse. But that's not what it is in the Bible. The storehouse was a place to store up things for the journey to Jerusalem. They didn't want to worship in the high places. They didn't want offerings other place. They were supposed to go to Jerusalem for the trip. And so these priests, you go there to uh, verse 5, it talks about let the priests take it to them. And so it was all set up for the priests to bring in the offerings for the repairing of the house and bring in their own offerings for their support and live off their support and repair the house but the problem was Joash the king looked and he after years there no repairs were being done on the house of God no repairs in the temple and so he brought in the priests and asked them how come there's no repairs on the temple Well, what do you think the answer was why were there no repairs done on the temple They had been collecting money, but what they had done is they had kept all the money for themselves and for their expenses and maybe for other things, but not for what it was supposed to be used for. And you know, in the church, the handling of money is a very important thing, and it has to be done decently and in an order. And when offerings are given for a specific purpose, they need to be used for that specific purpose. And they can't be used because some people think that, you know, money matters are no big thing. Uh, a famous preacher that I used to be associated with, he used to uh, use money that people donated for one thing, and he used it for something else. And that wasn't good is that's what the priests were doing here, is it needs to be used for that thing that is stated and designated. And, you know, money matters do matter. And people said about that preacher, you know, we were uh, talking about how the money wasn't used for the things that it should have been used for. And people said, well, you know, that preacher, he's, he's good. He doesn't He doesn't commit adultery, you know, he's a good moral guy, and we're not too concerned about his money problems. Well, the money problems are important too. And so the priests here, Jehoiada, they didn't use it for what they were supposed to be using it for. They were called into question. Jehoiada was a very good guy. He made the big revolution. He put Joash on the throne. And he helped Joash be in the right way, but one thing he didn't do was make sure that the offerings were used for what they were supposed to be used for, what it was decided that they should be used for. uh, I mean, this comes into play just recently. I was in a, a church meeting, and in the financial statement, it had so much money was given to this project And then I looked at the financial statement and there was nowhere on there where the money went out to that project. And so I brought that up, you know, is it uh, doesn't have where the the money went there. And then they said, well, I guess it never did get sent there. And so, you know, we need to be uh, careful about those things. So here we have, and so that we have the solution. We read that in our, Uh, to the problem here we read that in our scripture in our responsive reading earlier verse 9 but Jehoiada the priest took a chest and bored a hole in the lid of it and so they set up a chest there in the church and they had a hole in the top of the chest and this chest was now the place to give money for the repairs in the house. It was a a separate account, a separate place. They put the money in the chest, and then they took the money out of the chest, and they immediately gave it to the workmen, and they got the work done in the temple. There have been churches, I think, uh, in the past, maybe even the Chester Church or the BPs had what they called a Joash chest, where they had things Set aside for building fund and things like that. And you notice here in verse 10, it says, And it was so, when they saw that there was much money in the chest, that the king's scribe and the high priest came up, and they put up the money in bags and told the money. And so we have these two guys come together to count the money. And that's important in the church, that you have two people count the money accounting is important and it's important that everything be above board and I'm glad that we have detailed financial statements here in this church and that's good everything needs to be above board it needs to be decently in an order it needs in, to be in the sight of all men and some people say oh you know why do we need financial statements the people are faithful that are doing it and of course we have that in this passage right here but you know, we need to have financial statements. And the thing is, uh, we know that it needs to be uh, obvious that things are being done decently and in order. And so here they have the guys come up and, and count the money. And then we have uh, verse 11, they gave it to the carpenters, to the builders that wrought the work, and they finally got things going. And then verse 13 here, Howbeit, they were not made for the house of the Lord, Uh, bowls of silver, snuffers, basins. And so the money was designated for the building, but not for the things in the building. And so they didn't do making of gold and silver vessels. They did just what it was designated for. And they kept right to it. And so verses 15 and 16, they didn't really make too much of an accounting there. Because they said the people did faithfully, but normally it's good to do an accounting. And that that says that in our New Testament, to do things in the sight of all men. And so here they did their repairing, and then you have finally in verse 16 about the subject of the offerings. It says, the trespass money and the sin money was not brought into the house of the Lord, It was the priests. So the priests had their own money, and the Joash chest had its own money, and they had their designated offerings, and they did things decently and in order. Of course, you remember back with Judas. Judas, he had the bag, remember? He had the bag of money. Everybody trusted him, and we're told in the Bible that he stole the money, that he was taking money that uh, he didn't want the the money wasted on the perfume for Jesus' feet, uh, because he had the bag and he had the things that were therein. And so that's a temptation always. And so we need to uh, make sure things are above board. So that brings us to the subject of offerings and tithes. Is there still a tithe in force today? Should we still tithe? Of course, a tithe is 10%, 10% of what we make. And, uh, you know, uh, we have the income tax today, uh, an abomination where uh, the government wants you to tell them everything you make, and uh, they get into your business, and they, uh, it, it's unconstitutional. But anyway, that's based on your income. But here the tithe is based on the income back in the Old Testament. And of course, that's with God, not with the government. But anyway, and it's us keeping track of it, not the government keeping track of it, and God keeping track of it. But anyway, is the tithe still for today? There's a lot of people out there that don't think it is. Just like they don't think the Sabbath is still for today, keeping Sunday. They don't think that's for today. And in both cases... The people that say that, they say, well, you know, if you look at the New Testament, the New Testament doesn't have anything about tithing. The New Testament doesn't have anything about uh, that we ought to keep the Sabbath day. It, uh, and, and so they say that. And so they say, oh, well, you know, the Sabbath day and tithing, those are just Old Testament. But you know, the problem with that is, is that, number one, the Old Testament is important. And it's not like uh, nothing in the Old Testament has any validity unless it's repeated in the New Testament. No, the Old Testament has validity on its own. It is three-fourths of the Bible. Three-fourths of the Bible is Old, Old Testament. And the things that are taught in the Old Testament stand on their own. And they continue. All through. And of course, the thing is with tithing and the Sabbath, they were not introduced with Moses and with the ceremonial law, because they say those are ceremonial things. But do you know the tithe and the Sabbath go back before Moses? Remember what Abraham did? Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek when he saw Melchizedek. And that was Christ appearing in the Old Testament. And so uh, there were tithes before Moses. The Sabbath uh, observance goes all the way back to creation. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the seventh is a Sabbath. And so those things go before Moses. They're in the Old Testament. They've never been negated, and they still continue on today. And we can see, actually, it's not entirely true that the New Testament never talks about tithing. And let's look at Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, Matthew 23 and verse 23. Here the tithe is mentioned in the New Testament as something that we ought to do, Matthew 23, 23. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Well, Here Jesus, in Matthew 23, he comes down hard on the scribes and Pharisees for their hypocrisy. And he talks about how they were very zealous in keeping the law. And they were very zealous in their tithing, the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus says that these ought ye to have done. You should have tithed, but you should not have left undone judgment, mercy, and faith. And so the tithe should have been done by the scribes and Pharisees. In fact, in this chapter, Jesus says all that the Pharisees tell you do, but don't do after their works, for they say and do not. And so here we have the tithe is mentioned, it's told that it's something that should be done a little bit here in the New Testament. And it continues over from the Old Testament. And now let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, looking a little bit more at offerings and tithes. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In the temple there with Joash, they were given their tithes and offerings. We today need to continue giving our tithes and offerings. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he that hath dispersed dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that uh, ministereth seed to the sower, both minister seed to your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness." So here we have uh, talked about tithes and offerings in the New Testament. It says, he that sows bountifully with his money, with his tithes and offerings, he will reap also bountifully. That's kind of like giving out our tracts on the Saturday. We try to sow bountifully the tracts, sow bountifully the word of God, and we will also reap bountifully. If nothing else, we'll reap reward with the Lord. You know, reward is something that we should want. The Lord promises it to us. He promises it to us here that we'll reap also bountifully. And so that's with our money and our offerings. Is it a sin to be rich? No, it's not a sin to be rich, but it's very difficult to be rich and be a Christian. And not only that, if we're rich, We need to use our money for the things of the Lord, and so bountifully. And so here in verse 8 it says where God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you have sufficiency, you have your needs, and you can give out of your needs to give to other people. You know, the Bible says that we were talking about work this morning in Sunday school, the slothful man and the hard worker. And it says specifically in the New Testament, we should work so that we have to give to him that has need. And so we should be looking for people that have need. And uh, so there we have. And then we go on here. Verse 9, it says, As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. And you know our giving should be private. That's something between us and the Lord. There are churches that I have heard of where they they tell you that you have to tell them how much you make, and they will send you a bill for how much you owe. And the Mormon church in particular does that. That's one of their main things they do. And they will bill all the good Mormons with how much they have to give to the church. But that's not how it is. We should give in private. You know, the Bible says, not, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Is that possible to have your left hand not know what your right hand is doing? Well, that's a, a hyperbole, an exaggeration, that we're supposed to have it be done in secret, not do our offerings for everybody to see and to get credit off of our offerings. Uh, there, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if we get credit for our offerings here, we don't get it in heaven. It's uh, you know you can't have it both places. Can't have your cake and eat it too. So the best offerings are anonymous offerings. And so I was just at that show last night in Smyrna that I mentioned in in Sunday school where we go there to the local opera house uh, once a year or so. But anyway, on the seat in front of me, it had a plaque. Little brass plaque and it said, So and so gave this seat. And then the seat next to it, So and so gave that seat. This seat next to it, So and so gave that seat. And then in churches you go to, unfortunately, in some of our Bible Presbyterian churches, in fact, you go there and you sit in the pew and you got a little brass plaque there on the pew, So and so gave this pew. And you know, the thing is, people want to get credit for their offerings, but it's between you and the Lord. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it if we do it out of our heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so then it says, God will multiply our seed sown. He that ministers bread to the eater, it says down here in verse 10. Uh, By the way, is bread a good thing? A lot of times today people talk about that bread's no good anymore. Or meat is no good anymore. Uh, But those things are talked about in good terms in the Bible. And here bread, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But anyway, here he says, multiply your seed sown. So the question is, how much should we give and where should we give it? Well, the tithe is 10%. That belongs to God right off the top. But we should do better than a tithe. We should give offerings on top of the tithe. And then where should we give those tithes? Well, I think we have some light on that if we go back to the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy for a second. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, chapter 12, and verse 13. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 13. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest, not on the high places, but in Jerusalem. And then verse 14, but in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there shalt, thou shalt do all that I command thee. And so they were take those to take their offerings to Jerusalem. They were supposed to store it in the storehouse, take it to Jerusalem. And then what were they supposed to use the money that they stored up or the things that they stored up? What were they supposed to use them for? Well, you go on, verse, uh, th- thir- verse t- 17, verse 17. Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of thy corn, or of thy wine, or of thy oil, or the firstlings of thy herds, or of thy flock, nor any of thy vows which thou vowest, nor thy free will offerings, or heave offerings, of thine hand. But thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Thou and thy son, thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, the Levite that is within thy gates. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thine hands unto. Well, they were not supposed to eat the things in the storehouse where they were. They weren't supposed to have those for themselves. They were supposed to take them to Jerusalem. They were supposed to use them for the priests, use them for the temple. But what else were they supposed to use them for? It says there, verse 18, but thou must eat them before the Lord thy God. So you are going to eat of your offerings on that trip. And so those expenses of the trip going to Jerusalem comes out of your tithes and offerings. It comes out of that. Expenses for the Lord's work. And I think that's clear right here. And some people have a lot of questions about whether they could use the Lord's money for expenses in doing the Lord's work. And here I think it's very clear that you can use it for expenses. In the New Testament, it talks about does anybody go to warfare at their own charges? Does the guy that goes in the army, is he expected to buy his own m 16 Well, no, not generally anyway, although back in the Revolution some of them had their own guns or whatever. But you know the thing, they're not expected to go on their own charges, provide everything for themselves. The government provides it for the war. And God provides your expenses and the things you need for serving him. And you use it in that service. It's just like with tracts, is a good example, I believe. You know, I believe that we can use the Lord's money for buying tracts, uh, for ammunition. You know, tracts are ammunition. You've got to have a lot of ammunition. And you can use the Lord's money for that. You can use the Lord's money for expenses in the Lord's work. Can you use the Lord's money for the trip to Presbytery? I believe you can, just like this. Just using it for the trip to uh, the temple in Jerusalem. And so we don't go to war of our own charges. God says we use some of the Lord's money for our expenses. We use the Lord's money for the church, for keeping up the church, just like here, repairing the holes in the house, repairing the house, giving it for the pastor, giving it for the priests back in the Old Testament. All of those things are good uses for the offerings. And then one more use for offerings for the Lord, the Lord's money, is down in chapter 26. Chapter 26 and verse 12, good use for the tithe. Uh, Chapter 26 and verse 12 of Deuteronomy. It says, When thou hast made an end of tithing all the tithes of thine increase of the third year, which is the year of tithing, and hast given it unto the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, that they may eat within thy gates and be filled. So what's another good use for tithes here in Deuteronomy, and I believe also up to today, helping the poor, helping those that need help. That's another good use for the tithe. It seems that uh, back then that the, all the tithe of the third year went for the poor and also some for the priests also as well. But anyway, we're supposed to give better than 10%, I believe, of what God gives. It prospers us with. And why should we do that? There are three reasons why we should do that. Number one, God commands it. God commands us to give tithes and offerings. Number two, because we love God, we want to do it. And they're both good reasons. And number three, it's a reason given in the commandment back in Corinthians and not all over the Bible, Because we know that if we give to God, God's going to give give us back. And God's going to return what we've given unto him, even exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so those all three of those reasons enter into that. Of course, today, the Pentecostals, sometimes they overemphasize the God giving the things back. And the preachers will get up in there and say, oh, well, if you give me $100 for my ministry, God will give you back $1,000, you know, and they go on like that. But there is some, a little bit to that. There is something to that that God will give back to us as we give to him. So let us be thankful with our tithes and offerings. Let us, because we're thankful, we go for tithes and offerings. Let's be faithful with our tithes and offerings, And you know, it is possible to rob God. Back in Malachi, it said it's possible to rob God. And how have we robbed God, they said back in Malachi's time, in tithes and offerings. So let us be faithful to him. Let's bow in prayer. O Lord, we pray that thou would bless these thoughts to our hearts. And O Lord, we pray that we might be faithful in our tithes and offerings. Help us be faithful with the money that thou hast given unto us. In Jesus' name, amen.